Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Chunky Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We rollin'! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Monday morning, May 1st. And uh, we're excited to be with you here for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest in mixed martial arts. Today we have a fun show where we're going to recap VKFC 41, UFC Fight Night 223, and of course, turn the page because it is Fight Week, UFC 288 on Saturday. So I'll start with a quick plug for Goes and I, our watch along on Saturday, UFC 288. It's a pay-per-view with a title fight, Algerine Sterling versus Henry Cejudo. Join us. Let's watch the fights together. 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific for the pay-per-view, the main card. But we'll get the four fights earlier at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for the prelims. More on that throughout the week. Follow us on social media. I'm at MMA Junkie George. Goes is at the goes. You're going to see it everywhere from the site, from us. The watch-alongs are a ton of fun. So we're going to discuss that as well. And we also have a guest for you, Brendan Lochtane, the 2022 PFL featherweight champion. He's coming off a big win in uh, the regular season of 2023, where he defeated Marlon Marias a few weeks ago via leg kicks. We caught up with him, or catching up with him, and uh, it's going to be a fun time, fun show as always. We'll reset. We'll be right back to start the show. And to be fair, I got to give some love to one championship. It's one fight night 10, Johnson versus Marias 3. It's also taking place on Saturday. I'm sure we'll wrap a little bit about that. We're talking about one of the GOATs, for crying out loud, defending his title. And possibly this could be his final fight. All right, goes. All attention deservedly goes to VKFC. They had the show of the weekend. It ain't, I ain't even going to bother asking you, hey, who won, VKFC or UFC? VKFC smashed. Uh, it was a better card on paper, and the results also delivered. It popped on social media. We ponied up for the pay-per-view. Neither one of us felt guilty about it. What did you think of VKFC 41? Uh, unpack it for us. I give it a 9.5. And the okay. only reason I give it a 9.5 is despite how awesome I thought the overall card was, the main event to a certain extent was a little bit of a dud, right? The way it ended. But if you look at it overall, like all the all the footage they gave us, all the clips, you know, press conference, them getting in each other's face all week. It was actually pretty entertaining and almost comical at times. It was so funny with them mm-hmm. shoving each other, putting each other in chokeholds. Uh, that almost made up for the actual fight. <clears throat> the fight was fun up until it ended because both guys looked like they had a pretty decent shot. Um, but I just thought it killed, dude. I thought that was such a good card. And I hope a lot of people just said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to tune in because if they did... I'm pretty sure BKFC just made a grip load of new fans. I agree. I agree. Like I told you that night, I'm partial to Ben Rothwell. I'm a Ben Rothwell fan. But his fight alone versus Copeland was awesome. They really went at it. His, his first debut at BKFC, it only went like 19 seconds, 20 seconds, something like that. But this one, he was tested. I mean, Copeland was throwing bombs himself. In fact, 
uh, Ben Rothwell was dealing with an eye issue. His right his right eye was starting to close up, but he hung in there. They went at it, and uh, it was the corner that stopped it in between rounds. I believe either three and four or two and three. Uh, Copeland was done, and I agreed with it. I think it was between three and four. I agreed with it. He looked exhausted. He looked damaged. So was Ben, but um, Ben had proven proven himself the better fighter. But I just had like this with the fights that I had already seen earlier that night, and with that one, I was like, "Oh man, everything else is just gravy at this point." And we still got the champ to go, Christine Ferreira, plus the co-main and main event. So <laughs> good, good for BKFC. Mean, meanwhile, I'm kind of struggling watching UFC. You know, I told you I like to sit there and watch and bet the fights and all that. But as it was playing out, nothing was really, I don't know. I mean, it was, it was okay. You know, like, uh, I'll give you an example. Like, Marcos Rogerio de Lima and Waldo Cortez Acosta, two big heavyweights. It was an interesting fight because of Lima's leg kicks. Um, Erosa, you know, he's an extreme couture guy. Him and Padilla threw down, you know, and then uh, I, I stoppage was a little controversial. So it's not like stuff wasn't happening. It's just that stuff on paper that I cared about wasn't happening pretty much because of some of these names that just get cycled over and over and over. They're not Perry. They're not Rockhold. They're not Alvarez. They're not Mendez. Like, those guys have earned their stripes for me as a fan to feel something. Mm -hmm. And some of these other guys haven't. And uh, so... You know, well, we, George. Well, we'll get to that main event and all that in just a second. But BKFC was just money, is all I can say. Go ahead. What What's funny is BKFC kind of defeated the UFC this weekend in a way that the UFC normally defeats other organizations, right? Where you look at another organization and you go, "Well, okay, Ricky Simone, um, that's going to be a fun fight, Song Yudong, okay." But what else do they have? Isn't that what we were always saying about like Bellator or, mm-hmm. or PFL? Okay, mm-hmm. the main event, I'm um, I'm cool with that. But what about everything else? That's what happened to the UFC this weekend. What about everything else? And BKFC was just like boom, 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 one after another. And and what I love about what they do is <clears throat> their undercard, the prelims, really do matter in the sense that they do kind of pay attention to their rankings. But at the same time, the fights are so short, the rounds are so short that you're just going to get two guys or gals full of energy throwing down and and the fights are just in and out. So like there's times where you'll get UFC fights with fighters that you're not too familiar with and you're going to have to sit there for about 15 to 30 minutes because they're just not doing much and the fighters don't really matter at this point. Uh, with BKFC, it's it all happens so fast that even if it's uh, a terrible fight, which is really kind of hard to do there, uh, you didn't lose too much time. You know, the pacing of the card is, is incredible. So it's just weird that they were actually sort of defeated using their own recipe. Plus, these Apex shows <laughs> that have no life in them, to be honest, unless you're a hardcore, you're gambling. Throughout the gambling, I probably don't even watch UFC on Saturday. Maybe I say... Maybe I set an alarm for Song and Simone. But other than that, I wasn't caring too much if I'm not gambling on them. And I stay home. You know, I watch sports. I got Bell's palsy. I'm not really branching out doing stuff. But they should be careful. Now, as I say that, every other week I come in here and say, they're worth $13 billion. They're popping. They're the, they're the NFL. And they are. They may not even care. They may just be supplying content to ESPN fulfilling certain parts of their contract, getting paid, getting the fighters paid. Everyone wins, I guess, except except the fighters who kind of want a little bit of a spotlight, right? They they want to win and then say, I want this person next. But no one's paying attention and tweeting about it. They kind of get lost in the shuffle. But I guess that's just part of, uh, part of life, you know. Um, anyway, the – I was going to say one other thing and I forgot – but it doesn't matter. Moving on. Oh, we still had NHL and NBA game sevens going on. You know what I mean? Like your your fingers on the remote control, man. And you know you got to keep my interest. Or that's it. I move on. 
And what I will say is this, new fans come along all the time. Every day, every so today's May 1st. In May, there's going to be a lot of 13-year-olds that or maybe 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds that get their first job and they start spending a little bit of money and they start going to each other's friend's house and doing stuff where they might chip in for a pay-per-view or they might chip in and and get tickets to go to something, you know, or whatever. And I know people are laughing, but I would chip, you know, when, when WWE would come to Anaheim Convention Center, tickets are only 30 bucks. I had a job, me and my buddies, we might do that. I might take goes or whatever. And that's when you start becoming a fan of some stuff. And Eddie Alvarez said something interesting. He said, hey, man, this is for dogs. He goes, I, I think I want to finish here. You know, like his career. Of course, he was on the winning side. But um, I, th- there is something raw about it that could be attractive for fans. And you just never know when one sport might overtake another one. Look at pickleball, for crying out loud. Everyone's got a racket now. People are enjoying it on weekends. Um, <laughs> could it take over the what's the ring and toss one or, or, or ping pong? You know what I mean? Like the skateboarding was I had a skateboard when I was a kid and then it kind of went away and now it's booming. More people snowboard than they ski. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things that just kind of like just get left out the pasture a little bit or get swept aside by new things. Now, I'm not saying that could happen to MMA, and the UFC is definitely the NFL, <laughs> but Bellator and PFL and one championship, they should be on notice, you know, um, because BKSC, man, they got themselves something. And finally, the who was the team? Was it Dominic, DC, and Brendan Fitzgerald, I believe, on Saturday? Mm-hmm. In the Apex, they, I love those guys. They're pros and they're great. But the USC almost sets them up to lose in a sense because they don't make it feel like you're watching something special. Sean Wheelock has this booming voice. And I don't know if they and, – and he's kind of a dry guy. All right, him and Chris, they're not like, you know, Teddy Atlas and Stephen A. Smith or nothing like that. But they had this cool setting and the production and the noise around them where they would pick up the crowd and it made it sound like, damn, why didn't I hop on a flight and go to Denver and watch these fights? It was only a two-hour flight. I could have got a hotel. Uh, and a ticket and, and have myself a great weekend. And then McGregor shows up. But you know what I'm saying? The, the production, the lights, the fans. Like, it really felt like a little mini Roman Coliseum over there compared to the UFC watching it. It was just kind of like, I don't know, man. It was just kind of like you were just doing your laundry. You, you know, you just, you weren't doing anything, and you weren't doing anything special. What's funny is, you know, you bring up Conor McGregor, and on top of everything, it's almost like if you're having a bad weekend where you lost your job, uh, you know, you got yelled at by you got in a fight with some family, and then you check Instagram and your girl's at some other dude's house, mm-hmm. right? On top of everything, all of a sudden, Conor McGregor's not just at that show, he's getting in the ring, he's getting in people's faces, he's like in every shot. Uh, they could not have been happy about that. Because he didn't even sit down. He was standing. He was cheering. He was throwing techniques at both guys, according to Mendez and Alvarez. Two guys he's competed with, two guys he's defeated. But he was yelling at both guys. He was throwing his hands up. He was a super fan. He was elated. He was happy. And I think a lot of people at home were feeling the same way as they were watching this event unfold. Um, But... If you haven't seen VKFC, you need to watch it. I think you'll be entertained. Is it a little raw and gory and carnal? Yeah. But um, you don't turn away when it happens in MMA. I mean, we get our fair share of horrible injuries in in, in MMA. And so it's almost like, how can I put it to you? It's almost like a street fight or maybe with a pocket knife that just comes out from time to time. So it's going to be a little bit more leaking and, a few more cuts, but not the type of cuts like, jah, 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 you know, in the heart. Okay, leave, leave the dagger in the heart. He can die. No, that's not what I mean. Kind of like just like they're snapping at each other, you know, slicing each other's forearms or or something like that. But I'll tell you one thing, knuckles or not, that punch, man, that Mike Perry put on Luke Rockhold, holy cow, he chipped his tooth. Dave Feldman said teeth, so I don't know, maybe he rattled a few others, split his lip. 
That was the main event. Mike Perry defeated Luke Rockhold. Well, Luke Rockhold had a good showing. Luke Rockhold was landing the straight left that was really hurting Perry pretty bad. Credit to Perry's chin. But um, it was a fun fight. You know, Perry says Rockhold quit. I think Rockhold was just like, whoa, okay, I, I only have some damage here. Um, and we were thinking that night either broken jaw, broken palate. Other than the split lip and the, and the um, tooth, I think it, he felt like he felt something else. He said teeth as in plural. So I, I, I don't know if I would say that. After what Luke Rockhold did with Costa and winning two major titles, the last thing I think I would, I would, ever, would ever call him as a quitter. Mm-hmm. But uh, he says he's not done. He was happy to be in there, and he gave Perry his respect and his praise and congrats. And, oh, man, that, I like the main event. Of course, I would have wanted a, a – a probably a different <laughs> ending, but um, that ending, you know, that's fine with me. Well, they did have a decent fight up until that moment. And, yeah, early on, I, I thought maybe it was going to be one of those injuries like uh, like Randy Couture suffered, right? Again, when he got kicked by Leona Machida, um, it's just like a, a crack in your palate. That's what it kind of looked like. It ended up being teeth, but... He had his moments, you know. He he almost put Perry down with one of the early shots, just straighten the kisser early on. It, it was fun, but I mean, again, if you go just to the fight below that, and the fight below that, and the fight below that, those were all wars. Those were all money. So overall, um, big crowd for them. I'm sure there was. Uh, it, it was almost like the entire card could have been their Bonner Griffin moment. Hmm. I think they'll look back on this event as very historical. It was a proper pay-per-view. It was uh, the first million dollar gate. And they went out of their uh, comfort zone in booking these fights because they went the route of some veterans that are starting to wind down their career so not necessarily young guys that they can invest and groom to become VKFC guys, but at the same time, they were the type of draws that would make someone want to buy a pay-per-view. So a little bit of both, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, let's talk about the Coleman event, Eddie Alvarez versus Chad Mendez. I, I, I got to obviously get better at judging this sport. I mean, they just throw and throw and throw, and it's hard to keep up. But I thought Mendez was going to get his hand raised. I don't have a problem with it being Alvarez because, again, I wasn't watching it and consuming it like a judge or anything like that. I was just a fan who paid the 50 bucks to watch the event, and I was having a, a blast. Um, congrats to Eddie Alvarez. He looked like early on like he may struggle just because of the, the cage size and the environment. But, no, man, at the end, that guy's in excellent shape. He wasn't breathing hard at all. Um I would say he was fresher than Chad. They knocked each other both down one time each. Twice. and Huh? Twice, sorry. Twice twice yeah. each. And uh, I just applaud both guys. Immediately afterwards, Chad Mendez said he was done, which he had told us on fight week that this could be it, and it is. He says, oh, yeah, man, that this is it. Um, and Eddie Alvarez, like I said earlier here in the show, he loves this. He, he felt like reborn. <laughs> You know, I don't even know if he would even want to re- revisit MMA at all. He may just want to do this going forward. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about the sport is we don't really know if there's going to be longevity for fighters. You know, there's a couple fighters that you could look at their record and say, all right, now they're eight fight uh, veterans or something like that, right? But that's kind of nothing in mixed martial arts, right? So I don't know what the longevity of these guys are. You could look at a guy like Chad Menez and fight one or even Ben Rothwell and fight one and go, man, they got in and got out. Right. But fight two is a lot different. So, uh, I don't know how much of that you can sustain, especially considering that a lot of these individuals that are doing this are kind of at the back end of their career. So I thought Eddie Alvarez, uh, really adapted well and did a great job. But the question is, uh, how long can he do it for, right? So right away, you can't really mess around. You have to figure out what the right pairing is. And for me, uh, a fight that I think makes sense is maybe like an Austin Trout, I think would be fun. 
Yeah, and who knows what Austin Trout wants to do because he was already talking about Luis Palomino. Luis Palomino's name is getting drowned out a little bit by the latest signings, which is Trout and Alvarez, who both look good in their debuts. But um, Alvarez, you know, they say, man, this guy is born for it. He really looks like he could fit in nicely here. And remember, this guy won a UFC title, Bellator title. He obviously was a free agent who could still probably go to the UFC. Who knows what his contract is like with BKFC, but he didn't. Didn't go to PFL. He tried to win the title at one. Didn't work out. He's also 38, I believe. These guys are getting paid well, and now you don't have to do all that wrestling and jujitsu and all the other stuff that can, A, break the body down, and B, is not the fun part for you, especially for a striker like Alvarez. I'm telling you, man, I could see Alvarez saying, nah, get me back in here. <laughs> Let's just do this a few more times, and it might be a, a wrap for me. And then maybe you can get involved in that whole celebrity, the low-level celebrity boxing circuit with the Diaz, well, with one Diaz brother and the Jake Paul guys and, and everybody else. There seems to be some money there. If you're a striker that competes in mixed martial arts that's kind of done it all, Look for these options. Anthony Pettis just cashed some big checks at PFL. Then he did one for Game Red Boxing. Start looking for these options. Look after yourself. Don't knock your head around and get you know take any more lose any more brain cells than you need to. Prepare. Go out and have fun. There's an audience for this. Uh, good for them, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean that that fight right there was definitely fight of the night. And if we're even talking about a uh, Including them kind of with mixed martial arts, it, it, it's up there with fight of the year so far. Ben Rothwell defeated Josh Copeland. Solid fight. Looked like a hockey fight at times. Both guys went back and forth. But Rothwell's style is really, really interesting. Sometimes I wish he would stand there and just throw a, a clean one-two and use his length, his size. But he likes to lean, you know. He likes uppercuts. He likes scoop punches. He likes hooks. Uh, he likes collar ties. He, you know, he he's a complex individual to figure out. But he got the job done. He took some damage. He got the job done. Now he's saying me versus Belcher. He was very passionate with the fans. He told Denver to f off with them and their altitude. But other than that, no, he really appreciated them coming out. But it also sounds like kind of what we're saying. This guy's gonna come in. Scoop up a couple bags and and enjoy retirement from combat sports. So is it just time goes? Just get him in there against Alan Belcher and let's just you know now now Ben's put in he's punched the clock. One is two fights. Let's roll. I think it's definitely time. I think it's a really good matchup. Um, him showing up to Denver as early as he did. You know, that's a difficult thing for a lot of fighters, especially ones that have families, right? But had he not done that, I don't know that he wins that fight. Uh, it was a tough fight for him, and but I feel like his conditioning is kind of what made the difference in the later rounds. And his shot selection, right? When he started going to the body a little bit more, digging in. You have to remember, his first fight in BKFC was over in a matter of seconds. So mm. it's not like there is some experience you can lean back on, but not a whole lot. And I think he really got uh, a good taste of what BKFC was is in this fight. So he's learning as well. Uh, but yeah, I think now is the time to make that fight. And that that's what's so great about what happened with this event is you lay the foundation for so many things, right? And we're talking about the UFC. And tell me from that card, really, what what part of the storytelling did this card play a part in? Not very much, right? I mean, we're not really looking at Nobody's saying, nobody's saying Song Yudong uh, is the next title contender, right? Like, there's just really not too much to that, and that's something that I think fans want to want to see when they're watching fights. Yeah, you want to know that this fight means something, even if it's for some dumbass belt that they're holding, or what you know, in boxing, I'll tune in and I'll be changing the channel, but if somehow one guy's got a belt, you know, he's got his handler holding the belt, I'm like, ah, this, this is for something. Uh, I've been to WWE events, which, by the way, is like my third WWE reference. I'm not that big of a fan. I don't know why I keep going back to it, but I have been in the arena before where all of a sudden I'm like, 
you want a beer, you want a hot dog, and then you hear the announcer go, this is for the national title, or something that just makes it feel important. This is for the hardcore title, you know, and you're like, well, let's, let's go after this fight. This one just felt important to me. Humans, we're almost like basically um, dogs with just two legs, like, well, you know, whatever. We can be summoned by uh, a girl's perfume. She just walked by or or some guy walking with, like I say, a tray of hot dogs and beers and or just some some guy saying, this fight's with a national title, the intercontinental title. And all of a sudden, you know, like we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm all in. But um, anyway, yeah, you got to make it feel like it, it, it's worth something. And, and Yadong and, and, and Simone kind of had that. But just to finish up, BKSC, congrats to Chris Camozzi. I'm not ignoring the ladies. I want to finish up with the ladies. Um, but before I say the ladies, did you think Mendez won or Alvarez won? I don't think you gave me that that answer yet. Okay. So the thing about this fight and this card overall was I actually took myself out as an MMA media member, and I, I just felt like a fan. So yeah. I wasn't really looking at it that way. But in my head, doing the math, I did feel like Chad Mendes might have won the fight, but I didn't feel like this was a robbery or anything. I probably really would at some point today maybe like to just go back and watch it again and watch it with those type of eyes. But um, I did feel like Mendes had won the fight. Yeah, me too. Uh, well, the good thing is we recorded it, so <laughs> we get to watch it. Um, all right, finally, Christine Ferreira versus back Rawlings. So Copeland's fight ended on the stool in between rounds. And Luke Rockhold was done in the middle of a round. And this other fight also kind of ended, again, without the exclamation mark. Like, the fights were good up until when they ended, but we didn't get either a clean knockout or a ref intervening, a TKO stoppage or anything like that, you know, per se. Uh, and this one was another one that kind of ended that way. We were a little baffled because Beck Rawlings did have a cut, but we've seen way worse. We'll just go with whatever the doctor in that commission said. Now, up until then, though, these ladies threw down, and I thought Perea, Perea excuse me, was going to run through her. She was proving herself to be the better fighter, but she wasn't running through her. Beck Rawlings showed up. Yeah, she definitely did, and uh, she was giving her some trouble. She was throwing from distance. Uh, Ferreira wasn't able to really get inside where she does a lot of damage on other fighters. It was fun. She wasn't backing down. She didn't feel intimidated at all. It, it was a really, really good fight, and it was just baffling that the, the the doctor stopped it because when you look at some of the other fights that happened, um, I think those could have easily gotten stopped if, if we're kind of looking at it the same way. Yeah, for sure. The Misfit has now won five in a row, and she's kind of beaten her top opponents in Britton Hart, Taylor Starling, Beck Rawlings. I suppose we're at the point where I'd like to see uh, some stuff go down yet again, you know, between Rawlings and Ferreira, but Ferreira is also 40 years old. I don't know what Mother Time is like in this sport or in combat sports at all. I've seen her at Lion Fight. I've seen her at Invicta. Now she's doing her thing here at Bare Knuckle. But they got themselves a star over there. Her, she's a star. Mike Perry, he's a star. Ben Rothwell, he's a star. Like, And and, and Eddie Alvarez, if he's sticking around, he's a star. Um, by the way, Perry says he's a free agent, but I can't imagine he wants to go back to MMA. So I imagine uh, he does have some leverage, but at the same time, you know, it it I it sounds like to me like he would want to stick around there again, unless this whole game red boxing and game red no knuckles and Jake Paul, all that other stuff that's out there that that can possibly, you know, if they if they offer you a, a bag big enough, people will go do it. It sounds like to me Mike Perry could be a massive star for these guys and will resign. Um, but Perea, talk about her and what do you think, man? Is she is she one of their biggest stars over there at BKSC? And 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 do you want to see a rematch of her and Rawlings? Let's settle this properly. I do. Um, I think they should fight again. It was a great fight up until that stoppage. 
and um, you know she's kind of the face for uh, the ladies on that side, right? We've seen a few girls go over there and do their things. Paige Van Zandt, Pro Gonzalez has tried it, but they haven't really stuck. And this girl has stuck, and she's actually pretty charismatic. Like when when they give her the mic and she talks, she has good things to say. She's a lake uh, a lake local a local Vegas girl. <clears throat> So we see her quite a bit, but I think she could do big things because this she has an edge to her, and so does this sport. So it just kind of fits. And yeah, an edge and and the look. I hear exactly what you're saying. Her and Tiffany Van Seuss, remember her from Lion Fight? Yeah, they fought once before. Tiffany's a Muay Thai fighter who's dabbled in MMA. I think it's fair to say it that way. I don't think she's an MMA fighter dabbling in Muay Thai. I think it's the other way around. I'd like to see her maybe. Uh, come over and, and give this a shot. It's just hands. There's no kicks. There's no elbows. But that raw side of things, Tiffany likes that. I'd love to see them throw down. If she's looking for a fresh matchup, if not, let's run Beck Rawlings back. And by the way, do you want to see Luke Rockhold do this again? Because he was like, ooh, check it off the list. Almost like he wasn't too sure if he wanted to come back. But I think if the money's right, he will. Yeah. Hmm. He didn't look bad up until he got cracked with that shot. Yeah, but so like what the injury he sustained, um, it can get way worse in, in BKFC. So, I, man, I don't know. I mean, i totally like to see him do it, but uh, I don't know that I'd advise him to do it. Now, on the same token, if he were to go back to MMA, I don't know that I'd want to see him. Yeah, maybe I would be, you know, Maybe I'd be more exciting, excited to see him in that uh, in boxing with big gloves. True. Yeah. MMA has given him some vicious KOs, too. So the injuries are everywhere. <laughs> they can happen anywhere. That's for sure. I think I want to see him at BKFC. Another six months of training with Perillo, polish up his hands, polish up his familiarity with that ring that they have there. And... Uh, you know, give it one more go, especially because again, they keep praising the salaries that they're paying over there at BKFC. So you might as well make it worth the squeeze. Uh, all right, UFC fight night 223 took place this past weekend. Here's some quick results from the fights that matter, in my opinions. Uh, well, I'm just gonna give them all to you. Jamie Lynn North defeated Haley Cowan. That almost sounds like two singers, honestly, that just dropped albums. Marcus yeah, McGee defeated Journey Newsom. Irina Alexeva submitted Stephanie Egger. You don't see too many uh, leg lock submissions, but the Russian Ronda pulled it off. We'll forgive her for missing weight by four pounds. Cody Durden defeated Charles Johnson. Martin Boudet defeated Jack Collier. Trey uh, Waters defeated Josh Quinlan. Marcos Rogeria de Lima, almost 40 years old, defeated Waldo Cortez Acosta, giving WCA his first loss. Fernando Padilla defeated Julian Arosa. I'll stop right there because he tagged him and Arosa fell down a couple times. But right when the referee went in to stop it, Arosa looked like he was either coming back to consciousness. He definitely had his instinct, his whereabouts. And we're not saying it changes the outcome of the fight, but sometimes it's all about when the referee jumps in. <laughs> You know, uh, it, it looked like it could be an early stoppage. In the end, I think, like I say, enough damage had been doled out that it probably was the right stoppage. It's just the look of it all. Sometimes the look is just different because of the timing. Yeah, he he was taking some shots, but I think he proved that he still had fight in him. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that he's going to turn it around and win or even survive. But uh, I think even the referee, if we could ever talk to them after events, would probably say, yeah, I messed that one up. Uh, one fighter, and I'm trying to remember who it was, was tweeting, stop it when we can't intelligently defend ourselves. But in the meantime, while we can, keep it going, man. That's what you're telling us in the back, you know, meaning the referee and the fighters when they're meeting, when they're getting their hands taped and they have a quick little meeting, that's what you're telling us back there. He goes, stick with that. And I wish I could remember who said it, but it was during my Saturday sports fest, drink fest, I just kind of nodded and made a mental note that that's so true. If that's what you're telling them, when you can't intelligently defend yourself, that's when I'm stopping it. Uh, 
then when you are and you stood up and you've taken that damage, which you obviously it was damaged, but not damaging enough that I'm laying in there on the ground unconscious or I'm covered up, I'm actually fighting back, then do it. Now, that said, these guys are making super fast decisions. And I think sometimes the the action of the body, like, you know, if you blow a whistle in the NBA, you stop everything. Or even in the NFL, or even that flag in soccer for offsides. But if your body already did it, because that's what you saw at the moment, and play stops, then sometimes you just live with that decision, you know? They're humans. Whether it's right or wrong, they don't have the benefit of doing other stuff. I I have seen some refs jump in and then jump right back out, you know, and and the fight continues. So I have seen some crazy stuff in MMA, but I don't want to bury Chris Tyone because I think he's one of the few that can do this job really, really good. It's just disappointing for Erosa. And in the end, I think Erosa probably was probably going to get clipped because he was hurt and maybe saved him from full-on consciousness. I don't know. And I don't want to spend too much time on it because what we said speaks for itself, and that's that. Rodolfo Vieira defeated Cody Rundage, submitted him. Kyle Barrio defeated Michael Olenischek in the co-main event. And then in the main event, Song Yedong defeated Ricky Simone. Song Yedong's won four of his past five, and... Simone had one five straight. So were these guys top five? No. But I'm telling you, I think Song Yadong is on the map. He looked really, really good, goes. He's now defeated Ricky Simone, Marlon Marais, Julio Arce, Casey Kenny, uh, and Marlon Vera. So he's got some decent wins here that I think they can build around the, 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 the Chinese fighter, you know, and give him a push. Co- coached by Uriah Faber. You know, let's not forget. Yanez just dropped off. Vera just took a loss, you know. And then Dillashaw looks like he's probably out of the sport. Cruz lost to Vera last summer. Um, Sanhagen's rebuilding himself. Peter Young's taking like three straight losses. You know what I mean? Like this guy looks like a 2024 possible title contender. I know Ma- I know Cejudo's next. I know Malley's probably soon to follow. And then after that, I think Sanhagen's making himself a great case. For being next, but keep an eye on Song Yadong. I think this fight really, for a lot of people that like to talk about title contenderships, I think a lot of people are going to start saying his name now. I think he's got a little bit of a problem in the sense that I don't know that fighters are going to want to fight him because there's not too much upside. You know, he's a tough fighter. He's really good, but if you beat him, the main the name recognition isn't really there the way it is for like say a Sean O'Malley or Marlon Vera or Peter Yan, someone like that. Right. Um, And, but if you, if you lose to them, now you get reshuffled in that gigantic pecking order. That is that division. So um, it's going to be tough for him because you're right. Like at the top, a lot has to play out still. It's already measured out, and a lot really has to play out before we can get to him. So now who's going to want to fight him? That, that's going to be interesting. But I, I have him kind of like second tier, you know, looking into the first tier now. And I keep forgetting about Murad Duvalishvili. Mm-hmm. We, we can't, you know, ignore him. He's a beast, obviously. If Cejudo wins this weekend and Sterling's done with the division, I think that's when Duvalishvili makes his move. If Cejudo loses this weekend, we know that Duvalishvili and Sterling probably won't fight. And so now Sterling can continue to rule the Bantamweight division, and Duvalishvili will have to make his move somewhere else. Maybe Song Yadong, I don't know. But the nice thing about Song Yadong's win is when you beat a guy like Ricky Simone, who's got an amazing cardio, amazing gas tank. I mean, that guy's got a motor in the wrestling. When you get past someone like that, you're like, oh, whoo, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's just these guys in every division that can just stifle you. Devalis really is almost another one. That's why this Vanaway division is so crazy, dude, with talent. There's so many guys that can just stop your momentum. He, Simone just could not get going. Mm-hmm. You know, he was able to stop takedowns or get up from takedowns. Uh, I thought Simone put on a slow pace, and Simone never tires. I don't know what he was waiting for, but... Um, this loss will hurt him because he just crushed his five-fight win streak. And Song like Yudong, like I said, just got by one of the tough customers of the division. So you're right. 
second tier is fair. I said 2024. We'll leave that alone for now. Um, but I, do, I just want to say, like, I wasn't speaking his name like I am now, and I know he's going to make a move in the rankings, and and like it, it, he he just looks a lot better than he than he did before. Yeah, and I think the moment got to Ricky Simone for as much uh, as much props as I want to give Song Yudong. He had a great game plan. He executed it very well. Um, but that wasn't the same Ricky Simone we're used to seeing. Something, I think the moment just got to him. We're gonna come back with Brendan Lockname. It's time for our guest of the day, the former two, uh, 2022 PFL featherweight champion, and now of course in 2023, he's uh, already fought once, defeating Marlon Marias, and he's already got another another fight booked uh, coming up here in June when PFL does another three weeks of events in their regular season. It'll be Jesus Canedo versus Brendan Lockname. Junkie Nation, one of your favorites, one of our favorites is back. Brendan Lockname, the 2022 PFL featherweight champion, and now a member of the 2023 regular season, joins us back here on Junkie Radio. He's coming off a big win over Marlon Marias a few weekends ago. The leg kicks got it done. Um, Brendan, congrats on that win. Very impressive. In fact, at the end of the fight, I could hear Marlon. You know, the mics weren't picking it up, but I could just see him saying, dude, you got yourself some leg kicks. Like, you got quite a game. And that and, and why, why that stands out to me is he's over at American Top Team, and that's one of the gyms that excels at leg kicks. So you must have thrown something at him that he not only is used to, but something that's high level, because at least that's what it looked like to me, that he was very complimentary of your leg kicking and your overall game. Yeah, he did. He did actually say that. I'm surprised you picked that up, really. Nobody else has mentioned that, but he, uh, he was like, damn, bro. He's like, you kick hard. And I was like, I know. Like, even like some of my sparring partners in Thailand, like for the last camp, like I was kicking them with shin pads on. And like, they weren't walking for a week at a time. And they were like, bro, like, you're going to have to stop kicking me and sparring. It's literally mm. getting to that level now. I mean, who's got better low kicks in MMA than me right now? Like, Look at what I did to Bubba's leg. Look what I did to Wade's leg. Look at what I did to Marlon's leg. Like, I'm claiming the leg kick king right now. I love it. You should. So let's talk about that. The game evolves, okay? The game constantly evolves, and a technique can actually evolve. Maybe you don't want to give your secrets away. Maybe you don't give a fuck, and you will. I don't know. But what do you think you're doing? Are you just maybe cutting at a different angle? Um, are you mixing it up? Because you were mixing it up. It's not like you were just chopping one way. So what what do you what do you think it is? Or do you just maybe generate good speed? Are, are you a guy that just has maybe fast twitch, but more on the lower leg? I spent years doing these low kicks to the thighs um, and hurting people with them. And then you're right, the game did evolve and people started kicking lower leg. And then I was like, oh shit, like there's actually no muscle at the bottom of the leg. It's just all ankle. So let's just try kicking there. And then ever since I started kicking there, the rest is history really. So yeah, I guess that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Well, again, impressive, impressive, impressive. And uh, you took out now a name that like you said, hey, you also wanted to start connecting with some of the the well, the more well-known names, established names. You got that. Um how do you feel right now? Now you're taking on a guy who's coming off a loss in Pineda. Uh, I'm not sure if it's how they do it over there, how, how they make the schedule, but the schedule is the schedule. What, do you, what are your thoughts on your next opponent now? It's coming up here. You're headlining the next set of fights in Atlanta, June 8th, ESPN. It's a Thursday, folks. you got to check it out. ESPN and ESPN Plus has you covered. Um, how do I feel about it? I mean, I watched his fight. I actually don't think he lost the fight. It was a split decision, and I... I thought he did enough to win, but you know how them split decisions go. Um, he is a six foot south four. He is twenty and six. He's been in the UFC, fought McDessy and a few other guys. He's fought up fifty five in the UFC, so good level. You know, fought good guys. Um, 
got 20 wins behind him, a lot of KOs, good striker. So I'm guessing it could make for an exciting fight, but it could be another early night, who knows? Yeah. You know, if not for a split decision, you haven't lost since 2017. And if not for that split decision, you haven't lost since 2015. And if not for that split decision, you haven't lost in over a decade. So, yes, I understand <laughs> what you mean about I know how split decisions go. Uh, you ever think of that, by the way? Just, hey, look, someone might have hung an L on me, but I was right there. No one's stopping this freight train. You know, like, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, you, uh, like I say, you're a beast, man. You're a beast right now, and I'm not sure not too many people know about that. No, bro, listen, I literally did an interview just before your one, and they were like, there's a possibility that you could be 30 and 1. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Imagine the conversations then, being 30 and 1. I also went 7 and 0 as an amateur. Like, we'd be in a totally different conversation right now, wouldn't we, if them things would have went my way. I 100% beat Tom Duke and that night. I 100% beat Pat Healy. Mike Wilkinson, okay, that was close. Movlead, he beat me comfortably. Like, I know it was a split, but Movlead beat me. So, like, you know, I'm not bitter. I'm very honest. And, yeah, we could be looking at 30 and 1, gentlemen. Yes. Yeah, it's very impressive. Brendan Lochnane, our guest here on MMA Junkie Radio. One more for me, and I'll turn it over to Goes. Um, I know you're going to say, hey, I got this. But maybe go out of your way to convince me. You win in Vegas, see you in L.A., Miami, Manchester. Now you're in Thailand. And remember, these are quick turnaround fights. Right? In June, early June, you're back here in the States, in Atlanta. You're young. You can do this. You, you obviously, we just went over it. You could be 30 and 1, man. You got this. But still, that travel, bro, uh, that's incredible. That's crazy. Um how do you do it? How, how how can you do it? The acclimatation. I, I went to Japan once with Goes to call some fights. It was easy. We got there. I was a little sick, had some tea. We called the fights. I mean, come on, we're calling fights. And then the next day they showed us around. We come back. But guess what? The next four days acclimating to the time was horrific. So how do you do it, especially when you got to get all this training in? You got to watch your calories. How do you do it? I'm guessing it's the gypsy inside me. You know, I like traveling. But... I mean, you know, Vegas, Miami, um, and LA, that was all within one week. So that was just a quick turnaround. Then I went back to Manchester, began training for like 10 days with my coach and stuff and seeing family, but I was also training. And now I've landed in the business end of the camp. I've got five weeks straight in Thailand. Weight's good, mine's good, no injuries from the last fight. And uh, yeah, man, I just, I don't know. I, this is just how I've always done it. I know I know it's not off the script and this is not how you would tell anybody else to do it, but this is just the remedy and the method that works for me. Brendan, uh, the night of your victory, how do you feel everybody else did in the division? Did anybody stand out? Did they impress you at all? The only person that stood out to me was Bubba Jenkins. He, he looked really good against Chris Wade. Apart from that, not really, no. And that's just being honest. Hypothetically, are there ever, ever any moments, I know you have your opponent in front of you, but when you're hitting them, do you ever see Movlid's face? Does that ever <laughs> Not really, no. Um, I'm just hoping that the stand-ins for the semis are going to lie where I actually get him in the final. I would rather fight him over five rounds this time. I'm a five-round fighter, and I just feel like I've got massive advantages in the fourth and fifth, so... I'm hoping that I get him over five, but if I have to do it over three, I'm not mad at that either. I'm You're sure going to fight for free? <laughs> What's that? You're going to fight for free? <laughs> Never. My price tag's oh. high now. It sounds like you said if I have to do it for free or something like that. Over no, free. If, I have to do, if I have to do it over three rounds. Yeah, no, I'm just bullshitting. Remember we were joking oh, right. around at the studio. You guys got that cute little, I'm going to replace a TH with an F. <laughs> <laughs> that throws me off sometimes. Hey, hey Brennan, overall, um, I'm sure when you when you came into this, you had one mindset. But once you get that first fight done, did anything change? Did did anything feel different? Did this uh this season change its theme a little bit for you? I think um Teddy Atlas said when you become a champion, you become thirty percent better immediately. And I believe him now. I think you just believe in yourself more. 
and like your confidence and I don't know. I believe that I am the champion and I believe that this year I'm going to defend it and take another one home. Yeah, and you know, we also discussed that at the studio that it it's un, it's un, unfair in a way because a lot of your fighters, we, we kind of add to your legacy by talking about title defenses. One could claim that you just had one. You know, you're the former champ. They listed as a season and a playoff, and then we turn the page. But one could think of it that way because as I, I, I handled the rankings at USA Today Sports and MMA Junkie, as you well know, and for Kayla Harrison, you know, you talk about, well, how, how is she versus Chris and Larissa and Nunez? And to, with them, you can always lean on, well, these title defenses, title defenses. But then you look at Kayla and what she did for a while. Man, you got to tip your hat and consider that in a way because no, no matter what, you got the target on you. You know, maybe you're not actually walking in with the belt. Maybe the belt's not on the line, but something still needs to be done about that because um, guys like yourself, you know, the, the the ones that are really excelling at PFL and are turning out to be pretty special, we're going to build cases as why we think you guys are possibly the best featherweight current ever at some point as the promotion builds its history. So think of it as a title offense. You just had one, and you got another one coming up here in a few weeks. No, you guys got me fired up by telling me that when we did our interview just before the fight, and that's why I said it after the fight. I was like, that was my first title defense, and uh, I'm letting the public know, like, yeah, like, that was my first, this is my second, third, and then on the fourth one, they're going to give me another belt. <laughs> exactly. The next one, folks, happens on June 8th in Atlanta, Georgia. PFL starts their regular season again. And this one is a Thursday event, folks, at 6 p.m. Eastern. You can watch the fights on ESPN and ESPN+. Brendan, as always, thank you for the time. I'm glad we were able to connect you out in Thailand. We got up early to do this, but we had no problem doing it. You're one of our favorites, brother. Thank you, guys. Take care. See you Take guys care. soon. Yeah. Always a fun chat with the fellow Manchester United fan, Brendan Lockning. Boy, that's a lot of traveling goes. Vegas. Yeah. L.A., Miami, Manchester, Thailand. Holy cow. But he still seems like he was fresh as a daisy to be young again, huh? Well, it's funny because the way, you know, he actually says it correctly. Like, I would not advise anybody else to do this. But for some reason, it just kind of works for him. It certainly does. He's on a roll. <laughs> like, like when we were breaking down his, you know, I talked about these three split decisions. This guy could have 30 wins. He could be goes. He could be 30 and one right now, if not for three split decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, he's got a formidable leg kicking game. He can talk a good game. Good looking lad. Boy, did the UFC blow it with this guy. I mean, absolutely blow it. And hopefully the PFL can blow this guy up. But I don't even bring that up anymore for the poor kid. You know, he he's moved on and he's got his belt a million bucks and uh, he's trying to forge his own thing. But every once in a while, I'm, I'm just going to say it. Oh, they, we, this, this guy's a, a not to this guy could be Patty Pimlet almost. If you think about it, you know, like that type of popularity, in my opinion, we had to bring it up because at the time, it gave off the impression that he missed out on something. Now he reversed it where he's made it so that they missed out on him. And that's why it doesn't get brought up anymore because now this probably worked out in his favor. And with the UFC so committed, I almost feel like there's a leak in the house. And with the UFC so committed to building the UK, um, you know, like, the popularity of Leon Edwards, these London shows where they're crushing it. I just know that even though they'll never outwardly say it, they, they I think they have to at least nod in approval. We blew it. Good luck to you, kid. And that's that. You know, Dana White, he'll never say, yeah, we blew it. But Rendon's pretty special. Thanks for the time, Rendon Lockname, as always. Let's move on, goes. Um, we have two more shows to talk about. And it's going to be quick. One of them is one championship, 10. So it's called One Fight Night 10, uh, Johnson's versus Moraga 3. It's this uh, weekend, their first show in the United States, and they're in Colorado. Everyone's going to Colorado. BKSC was just there. UFC started the whole thing there. 
Uh, this is a title fight. So DJ has proven himself as a bantamweight in the WEC and the UFC. He didn't win a title. He only lost to the GOAT, which is Dominic Cruz. Then he became the GOAT at flyweight, arguably for a little while. And some would still say he might be the GOAT right now, pound for pound, 11 title defenses, historical run in the UFC. Then he goes to one championship and wins a bantamweight Grand Prix, which is like winning the flyweight. Something having to do with the flyweight because of their hydration weigh-in system. So he wins that Grand Prix title. Then he fights for the um, the undisputed title, right against Adriano Marias, and loses uh, to their incumbent Adriano Marias. Then he beats him. So they're one and one. They both have finished each other. They both they've had great fights. This is a trilogy matchup. This could be a title defense for him. And it could also be his last fight. This is a big fight for Demetrius Johnson and, honestly, MMA because this is a historical figure in our sport. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he's – I've man, somebody just said it too, like I that they just consider him the go even right now without the end of the career. It's really a weird feeling because, um, you know, lately it feels like these WEC stars are starting to go away now. And in a sense, you know, with Chad Mendez leaving uh, Saturday night, this could be the last time you see Demetrius Johnson, right? And that's another big name that's just tied into the WEC. Um, but yeah, this dude has just been absolutely amazing. His skill set, when you put it all together, he's just one of the tougher guys that you have to face in, in mixed martial arts. There's, There are literally no weaknesses to this guy. So... Um, you just have to be better than him that night. And that happened once, right? So trilogy-wise, you've got my attention. Um, maybe a little bit of what happened with, with BKFC like even helps one championship that like, makes you think, I kind of want to see this, man. I really I really want to be there for uh, this fight, especially if it were to be his last. I don't want to miss it. It's on Amazon Prime. If you have Amazon Prime, it's free. So check it out. And now we're talking about local convenient times that we're used to here in North America. You don't have to wake up at 5 a.m. You don't have to go on an app. You just go to Amazon Prime. Uh, there's that whole little thing where you can get a month free. I don't want to necessarily give you these shortcuts, but I'm sure you can because I get that type of stuff. Amazon's a juggernaut. So uh, maybe go that route. But the fights are on Friday, Cinco de Mayo, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And uh, we have Road Tang, one of the biggest stars in Muay Thai. He's fighting. Stamp Fairtex versus Elise Anderson. That should be a big fight as well. Sage Northcutt is back after four years from when Cosmo Alexander did a number on him and broke some bones in his face. He's back. Roberto Soldich uh, from KSW. They just signed him. He's finally going to make his debut on the song, who was a champ champ for him. At one point, he's there. RDR, who was a champ champ, now he only holds one title. He's going to be there as well. He is he different? No, he's grappling on this card. So it's a hybrid card. So lots going on on Friday. Check it out, uh, including the main event with Demetrius Johnson versus Adriano Marias. I consider Marias one of the top flyweights in the world as well. This will have implications in our flyweight rankings, by the way. Goes, you're going to laugh your ass off. The other day. We thought we had a well, we did have a water leak, and it was actually right above me here on my little set that I have in the living room from upstairs. Luckily, we caught it in time. There was no much, there wasn't much damage at all, if any. And I was hearing some leaking going on. Now, we're getting you know, it's the morning here on a Monday, and we're kind of getting ready for the day. So, I thought just maybe someone was taking a shower or something was happening. It was the coffee pot that just was making this oh. noise that imitated like a leak. I was like, what is going on? Because it sounded more than the usual hustle and bustle of a household. And then I just I thought, wait a minute. Okay. And I, I got up real quick and looked and, and that was it. So we're, we're saved. Uh, we don't have to deal with that nonsense. Let's talk about finally UFC 288. On Saturday, Goes and I will be doing the watch-along, like I told you on the intro. We'll be there at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for those four prelim fights that lead into the pay-per-view. What's a watch-along, some of you guys are saying? Okay, fair enough. 
we watch the fights along with you. You're going to watch them on Saturday, so are we. We're not going to broadcast them for you. The first four are free anyway, right, as they lead into the pay-per-view. But, but if you decide not to get the pay-per-view, we'll tell you what's happening because we're going to get it. You just tune in to us. It's like listening to the radio. We usually have a couple of fun guests with us as well. Ode Osborne, Chris Curtis uh, has stopped by in the past. Uh, Eric Nixick has stopped by in the past. So we'll see who we can get from Saturday. Or it'll just be myself, goes producer Austin Alvarez, maybe comedian John Orlando. I don't know. But it's going to be a fun time on Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, for far prelims, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, for that pay-per-view. It's our UFC 288 watch-along. Watch for all the promotion that we do during the week. If you see it, please share, retweet. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. And... Um, so we got Algerine Sterling versus Henry Cejudo. They're already in Newark. They've already had one meeting there. It was friendly. They shook hands for about 30 seconds. They're being very respectful. But I'll tell you what, goes. I've kind of enjoyed this rivalry because DC's kind of caught them off guard. They've done stuff together. They've blown up with each other. They've shown each other respect. But I really like, at the end of the day, the way they've comported themselves. They've never once have resorted to slapping each other or getting personal or anything. I think they both realize they both are good for each other. They respect each other. And they're both climbing up those Bantamweight ranks as far as who's the greatest Bantamweight ever, who's the greatest Bantamweight champion ever. So they understand the significance of each other's presence in their in their own career. Yeah, that's one thing that we forget about like along the way because of the uh, controversies that Aljamain Sterling's had. You just forget that he's actually racking up title defenses here, and this would be a huge one. Massive, and for Cejudo, if he if he could say, "Well, I beat Dillashaw, Cruz, and Sterling," I'm now the greatest man in ever. He might have a case, even though you would only have one title defense still versus Dominic Cruz's five. Mm-hmm. The fact that he he's got those skins on his wall is impressive. Now, I will say, the win over Dillashaw, stained or not, it was Dillashaw that was stained. It was at flyweight. It wasn't at um uh, weight, but still. These are the guys involved in that type of a conversation. Anyways, most important thing is first, he's got to beat Algerine Sterling off a three-year layoff. And Sterling, when he's on, he looks like a beast, especially those early rounds, especially if you can get that grappling going, that body triangle, that control, the submission attempts. You know, that's going to be huge early on. And as we know with Cejudo, he's a gamer, man. His preparation's well, his fighter IQ. Him and Demetrius Johnson, they've been camping a lot. And guess what? They fight one day apart. So they're both peaking at the same time. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a better training partner, even though even though Demetrius Johnson might not have the statuesque frame that Sterling does. He's got that speed. And I think, like I say, that's just a great training partner to have. Um, in the end, no, it's not the end. It's only Monday. Who are you leaning towards right now? Because this one's a close one. By the way, the odds are, uh, Henry Cejudo minus 115, Algerine Sterling minus 105, according to Caesars Sportsbook, our new partner at USA Today Sports and MMA Junkie. What's your early lean? Um, I am leaning early on to Henry Cejudo. That's who I turned in as well for my staff picks. But we're going to record Sweeting Back Click in about two hours. I may say Algerine Sterling because Algerine Sterling, man, he's got this control like. Him and Patchy Mix have done pretty something pretty special there in the Bantamweight division, the way, their ability to win rounds, threaten you, strangle you, you know, take you out of your game. Uh, I don't forget that, you know. And now, again, Cejudo's tough to take down, Olympic caliber wrestler, but, again, three-year layoff. And all you got to do is three of those rounds and then survive. You win three of those, you win the fight. You 10-8 this guy one time you might actually hold on to the belt just by drawing. Like, there's so many options that Sterling does have if he can get one of those early takedowns and get a 10-8 situation going. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Coleman event has Balam Muhammad versus Gilbert Burns. For those that don't know, this fight was added recently. It's going to be a banger. The winner, unfortunately, I don't think uh, will leapfrog Colby Covington, but I think the winner can at least show up to that fight as a substitute probably get a payday and just be there ready to fight in case they need them. Mm-hmm. And at worst, just like the winner of Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington. Although I think Leon Edwards is still on record saying, I'm not going to fight Colby Covington, but 
Uh, what's your early lean here? Um, my early lean is Gilbert Burns. I just think uh, Bilal Muhammad coming off of Ramadan. Uh, Gilbert just doesn't seem like he's left camp. So I'm going with him. We're on the same page. I wrote them down. When we do Thursday's show, we'll see if we're leaning in another direction. But for now, folks, we're going to bow out. Thank you so much for tuning in to Junkie Radio on an early Monday morning. Uh, goes and I, we have the spinning back click to show to do. It's going to be a fun time with our colleagues, Danny Segura and Dan Tong. And you can catch spinning back click every Monday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, live on our YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video. Hit that little bell. Subscribe. The subscribe means it's we're now part of your YouTube uh, options, right? The bell means, hey, these guys are live. They're doing something. And so that will alert you to uh, at least what we're promoting here, which is spinning back like live Mondays, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. I'll be back in the host chair. Wish me luck. I don't know how easy it'll be to do all this with this uh, damn bells. I'll be, but thank you a lot for your thoughts and prayers. I see them. I feel like I am getting better, and hopefully I'm sounding better as well. Folks, we're out of here. We'll see you Thursday and then Saturday. In the meantime, go out and be a champion. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.